1: hello you are listening to orange county's longest running business talk show i am your host rick franzi we have an exciting show planned for you and you say why because sam nakshanay is our guest he's the co-founder of linear sam welcome to the program
0: thanks so much rick for having me you are welcome let's
1: get right into it my friend you've been in business for a little over two years what was your original motivation to start linear
0: Yeah, you know, ever since I started my career at Ernst & Young, this is probably about 25 years ago, I always thought about kind of starting my own company, founding it. And, uh, you know, there was a couple opportunities within these last, uh, you know, a couple decades to work with some good, talented folks um, part-time. And what I've learned through this experience, uh, going through those, you know, a couple experiences, is that you really need to be all in to do something like this, to form a company. You can't do it part-time, um, at least for myself. There was just too many other distractions. So, um, you know, real motivation was I decided to kind of go full bore, uh, burn the ships, storm storm the beachhead. And, you know, it was a unique opportunity that we had because not only did we have the right people that I felt um, that we could bring together, uh, resources to help us start the business uh, and be successful but we also had um, a good product market fit uh, and we can talk about that in the future mm-hmm. and we also had uh, sort of proof points and to allow us to do that and um, finally i sort of seen this done before with uh, a previous company i would worked at and, um, and really just rinsed and repeated that's kind of our plan is to rinse and repeat what i would learned in the past um to to ensure that we have a the right approach moving forward and um, and can dedicate the time to it now ironically um you know this was right in the middle of covid and right. also my daughter was born at the same time so <laughs> you, know, you know i basically had uh, two startups in the middle of a pandemic so my well, daughter. Congratulations and Congratulations
1: on your daughter being born So Thank that's and, and the business. So Sam, how long after you kind of started the momentum behind Linear, did you start to believe that the business was going to be able to be scaled and would thrive?
0: Yeah. So previous to founding Linear, I worked for a company called UiPath. And UiPath is the global leader in what we call human emulation software, robotic process automation. And what the idea is is you take repeatable high volume uh, tasks um, that are rule-based and you can leverage software automation to basically emulate a lot of the clicks and the transactions and the tasks and the workflows that are part of that process um, so so when we started down that path and having worked for that company i saw the value in this type of application for a lot of our customers. And so what we wanted to do was to take that platform that's already been used by 10,000 customers globally um, and to build upon it and create more value-based solutions on top of that platform. Um, You know, when you think about automation, and this is kind of the space that we're in, right? We're we're looking at processes that are inefficient um, and trying to leverage process optimization and then Robotic process automation or cognitive automation um, to make those processes more efficient, uh, perform more uh, effectively, uh, increase throughput, et cetera, et cetera. For large companies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we typically work with organizations that are in the Fortune 1000, just because there's enough manual effort to be able to um, to, to justify kind of the returns and the ROI on that investment. So So
1: I heard you say process automation and then cognitive automation. Yeah, you're going to have to define both. Sure. Sure. And and
0: actually, I want to definitely dovetail into that is, you know, when when people think about automation, they're usually kind of trying to figure out what does that mean for themselves and what does it mean for their organization? And the way that I try to simplify it and categorize it is I, I try to break it down into three different categories. Um, the first is what I call robotic process automation. And what that means is you've got a simple rule-based task um, that is repeatable and is high volume. Um, think about when you hire an individual, you, you take them through a certain process um, or you access different business systems or you give them access and security and badges and all that stuff, right? So that process is pretty similar, you know, in HR um, for that – for uh, almost all employees right in terms of kind of some of the blocking and tackling and setting them up or creating purchase orders or something like that something that doesn't change much doesn't have a lot of variance so what you would use there is what's called robotic process automation which you use software robots to basically emulate the task and move the data around or to log into business systems and to perform some sort of transaction Once you start introducing variances into that process, so for example, think about invoice processing, where now you've got multiple different suppliers, each having their own format for their invoice being submitted. Now you have to introduce some sort of intelligence because somebody has to be able to look at that invoice and say, okay, now I understand that this invoice is coming from this vendor and I know that the invoice numbers on the top left. I know that the address is, you know, 10 spaces down or 10 lines down. Then I've got a bunch of, uh, line items and then, you know, there's a shipping address, there's a due date all this stuff. And it could be in different areas for different vendors. So now you have to introduce artificial intelligence, machine learning so that it continually begins to learn as you provide it more and more samples of that type of invoice, for example, in this case. Um, and so it begins to learn. And so it becomes more confidence. The model becomes more confident now as you begin to see more and more that those, they can pick it up and, and be able to process it. And then sort of that final step in terms of automation is um, what we refer to as social robotics, which is the combination of this software and hardware uh, partnership. Um, and, and to be able to perform these tasks that you're starting to see more and more of Um, In industry, whether it be supply chain, inventory management, or even medical where you've got, let's say, an individual or a doctor that's, you know, sitting in Miami and performing surgery in Seattle, or you've got um, bots, you know, physical robots in an Amazon warehouse that are picking and packing and shipping without the need uh, for human intervention or maybe, uh, you know, augmented, augmenting what the human, you know, the workers are doing in the Mm -hmm in the warehouse. So and you're going to see more and more of this um, as we move forward, you know, we're kind of tapping into that, especially around quality control when it comes to uh, the supply chain, you know, being able to track an assembly line and see which parts are going to be defective. So using cameras, uh, and having software be able to read those results. You know, it's a it's sort of a version of IoT, but it's a little bit different. But th- that's how I would kind of say, and depending on the complexity is where you want to, to focus and use the right tools for the right job. So once a process gets too complicated or moves down that sort of um, that path, then you need to use other different types of technologies.
1: So, so you used other words, Sam, that I'm going to ask for your uh... – High-level definition and differentiation, if you could, since you're in the space, we've heard these terms. I think for my audience, it would be nice to have someone with the deep knowledge you have to sort of differentiate them. You said two, two things that I'd like you to compare and contrast. <coughs> artificial intelligence sure. and machine learning.
0: Sure. So, I mean, I, I believe artificial intelligence is, is sort of the general term that people use to say there is a component of um, intelligence that needs to be built into certain types of uh, applications or products or processes in this case. And then machine learning is one component of that where you're teaching the the computer to basically learn or, or the bot in this case to be able to learn. So I think artificial intelligence is more of the general term. Sure. Uh, and then machine learning is one component of that uh, of that uh, broader, sure. broader term.
1: Thank you. So earlier in the interview, you talked about how the um, the real opportunity is for larger firms who have a great deal of repeatable actions because data drives, and I get that. Um, many of the uh, listening audience for our program run what I call middle market companies, you know, maybe yep. $50 million, maybe $100 million in revenue, maybe $10 million in revenue. Sure. Is it your expertise not necessarily with your company linear, but your observation of business process improvement, that the work that you're doing for the larger companies can also benefit the middle market companies.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. It just depends on uh, you know, what the amount of manual effort that they have, the volume, you know, and it really just breaks down to ROI, like Mm. understanding, okay, what is the cost to uh, implement this type of solution versus what is the returns that I'm going to get based off of the manual effort? I mean, if you look at a Fortune, you know, 100 company, they've got you know 100 people in finance processing documents, right, or scanning, or and each one is kind of doing their specific role. Well, you know, when you look at automation, that makes sense. I mean, there's such a scalability factor, and then that's just maybe in the U.S. Now you've got a whole different team, you know, globally that's doing it as well. Typically, smaller companies they've got one person in finance. Right. So when you look at that ROI, um, you know, how much of that can you truly automate? And, you know, it it really just depends on that ROI. So when you sit down and do it, absolutely. I think, you know, these type of technologies and there are already, you know, companies that are that are focused more on that on that mid market, smaller space that are that are providing these types of solutions. Uh, From our perspective, you know, we're just more familiar with working with larger, um, larger companies.
1: So, so when you're looking at placing technology in lieu of the individual to do either a robotic process improvement or some type of cognitive process improvement, um, in addition to maybe reducing the manpower that you have, is there also an ROI on the availability of the, of the application on the quality of the decisions that are made? I mean, is there a certain repeatable consistency that can come from the investment in the technology over time that you may or may not get on an employee-based uh, solution?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. You know, a lot of times, you know, when organizations are originally looking at automating, they're looking at cost avoidance, right? They're right. looking at technical debt, cost avoidance. Um, they're looking at, uh, you know, potentially removing, uh, Hours or, or manual effort from from the workforce, and, and and repurposing it. It's not just replacement. It's like, okay, um, you know, how are we going to repurpose? But there's so much more to it. Um, if you think about it, just around you know risk um, and accuracy and, and compliance, you know, anything that has to do with you know uh, risk mitigation. That's what a lot of CIOs these days are looking at. You know, how do I ensure that when we get audited or if there's an issue that we're completely covered right and when you have something like robotic process automation every process is automated every task is automated whether it's within the business system or outside the business system when it comes to throughput right the bots are processing uh documents at uh, you know three to ten times faster than a knowledge worker can right Um, when you look at the need for all these other business solutions, like we talked about technical debt, right? So now if you use RPA, maybe you don't need 20 systems, right? Maybe you only need 10 systems. So you can sunset some of those systems that you may not need because you can pull in that data, those legacy data. So, um, you know, and and happiness. I mean, we haven't even talked about that. Like, you know, a lot of folks when they're running, when they're doing their day-to-day work. So think about tax preparation, right? So a lot of tax, uh, the function of a tax individual is um, basically, you know, preparing data, and then advising and analyzing the data. Well, you know, really, when you think about it, right now, it's 70% or 80% preparing the data, and then finally, you have 20% the ability to advise um, and analyze, what if you could flip the script, right? If you have bots pulling all that data and preparing all that data, because it's pretty consistent, then you know, you could have 70% advising and analyzing versus and, you know, and, and 20% of the tax preparation. So it's, it's not just about, um, you know, removing hours out of the workforce. Right. It's, it's really about how do you take a look at overall your strategic objective and then, um, and then be able to understand, you know, how all these different components face into a true ROI. Um, so while you were
1: answering that question, I saw that we did have a comment and I always like to uh, recognize the comment. So I want to thank you. It's a, it's a lengthy one. We can read it here on the screen. For those that are listening to us as sure. a podcast, maybe we can read it to you. So Sam, would you be so kind as to read the comment?
0: Sure. It's from uh, Salman. uh Thanks, Rick and Sam. I really like the way you broke down the application of robotic process automation. Three categories, basic. Automation of repeatable tasks, processing the same type of forms or steps, semi-complex automation of tasks or processes requiring smarter intelligence-based processing. So for example, capturing data with forms with a similar type of information, but not formatted the same way. And then finally, number three, complex cognitive-based automation. Well, there you go. We love it when the audience
1: that's listening to us live engages. So thank you very much for that comment. And Sam, that's great. Great job reading that text for the audience that can't see it. I I got an A in
0: reading when I was in uh, elementary school. Congratulations. congratulations (laughs) And it
1: it comes through. So, you know, I think a part of the process redesign and uh, using, you know, these enabling technologies that are rapidly getting more sophisticated and capable is that the business can perform at a faster rate. And to your point, maybe with better quality decisions because we spend more time dealing with the uh, implications of the data rather than discerning and collecting it. So I, yeah. I think that I think that's a benefit for any size company that could make the commitment and the investment in looking at process automation tools. You are a co-founder for Linear. I'm wondering <clears throat> who else is in the soup? Uh, who's, who are the other founders?
0: So it's interesting you, you bring that up. So when you look at software companies, And I don't know if you could kind of extrapolate this out, you know, but to cultivate sort of a a beginning foundation for any software company, I feel like you have to have three executive roles. You've got to have a a technical creative founder. okay, and that's the individual that um, is really coming up with the ideas, you know, building the software and kind of manage that whole creativity aspect of it. The next type of role is you need to somebody have somebody that's on the sales and business side that's driving the lead generation and driving the marketing aspect of that business. And then you need sort of a third role, which is more of a operations type role, kind of finance operations, just making sure that the lights uh, stay on and each one of them has their own strengths. Now you can find all three roles and in one individual. You can find them in in, you know, multiple individuals. You can find them in three individuals or two individuals. Right. For us, we, we sort of started with with three of those individuals. Uh, we've got a technical uh, found even though I'm pretty technical, we've got someone that's really kind of on the creative side. And, you know, for them, they don't care about money. Right. Like that's not their role. They don't wake up and say, oh, OK, well, how much did we spend today? They're like, no, this is what I want to create. And this is what I'm going to create. And I'm going to go to bed and I'm not going to worry about money. I don't care about money. Uh, And then you got the business guy, which is like, okay, we need money. So I got to go out there and find money somehow. Um, And then you've got the other guy, which is, okay, well, now we have some money. How are we going to make sure that we, you know, use it wisely, right? So if you don't have those three roles, then you're really putting yourself at a disservice and you're probably not going to be extremely successful. I mean, you look at any of the large companies that are being built, I mean, from the Bill Gates and, and Paul Allen to, you know, Wozniak and and uh, Steve Jobs I mean they filled those three types of roles now again they had two individuals but but um, they filled those three types of roles so you know from our end you know it goes back to the idea of I finally felt that it was ready for prime time to go and and to to build this type of company as we you know we started with three you know now we have two um we actually um, unfortunately, one of them is no longer with us. Um, and some of those roles we can actually, uh, w- you can subcontract or you can do, like you have a CFO, you can have a fractional CFO. Right. Um, so there's all these different ways that you can now, in the world to, that we live in today, you know, be able to um, have part-time or, or subcontract some of those roles that are necessary. Excellent.
1: So I'm wondering as an entrepreneur, uh, where do you go to gain access to insights and experiences of peer entrepreneurs that are, they're helping you to scale and grow linear?
0: Yeah. So you remember when I mentioned that when we first founded the company, um, I had a playbook that I had in mind. And I think that was something that was a little bit maybe unique to us. Maybe it's not. Um, but a lot of software folks, it's like, you know, you always hear the story. It's like three guys in a garage. You know and then they build the next you know most amazing technology that's ever been created right um, you hear that all the time uh, for us it was more like <laughs> we're a bunch of guys in our 40s <laughs> uh, with kids and, and family and such and you know for me my sort of where i went was i went back to the individual that um, started the company that i work for that i'd mentioned that had done something similar they had you know, leveraged a platform, you know, that was ubiquitous, um, and they were able to, you know, initiate, you know, their original um, opportunities based off relationships that they had and and to use this system because they saw how powerful the system was. And they focused on a specific type of uh, industry. In this case, it was life sciences and healthcare. Uh, and build mm-hmm. solutions specifically for that on top of this platform. The platform was Salesforce at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for me, I leveraged um, my old boss uh, greatly because he'd gone through that experience. He actually runs a VC now, so uh, or an angel fund, I should say. He's a VC, we're running an angel fund. Um, so I got a lot of insights from him, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> – uh, I'm just trying to think of a story that he told me, uh, in terms of some, uh, uh you know, uh, recommendations. So, you know, one of the things that we were going through and I'll kind of bring this up because it cracks me up is, you know, we were going through a hard decision where to do it, what not to do it. And he said, <laughs> you know, basically, and he read this somewhere. He's like, you know, if you're eat- going to eat crap, don't nibble on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, thank you for cleaning that up
1: for us. Yeah, exactly. I
0: I chose, yeah, yeah, exactly. I uh, had to change the words there for a second, one of the words, pardon my French. Uh, So, you know, from there to, uh, he actually introduced me to, you know, other entrepreneurs groups. Uh, I think you need folks that have gone through a similar experience. Um, Mm -hmm. I think you also need great advisors, Um, legal, um, you know, um, accounting, like, these are so important to help you guys. Half of what I do is sit down and review contracts and ensure that we mitigate risk when we're working with a lot of these organizations and make sure that we have our ducks in a row. Because ultimately a lot of, you know, that could come back to really haunt you. And I've seen that with a lot of other folks, um, other business owners that I've spoken with. So I I take, we take those very, very seriously and we we have a strong team there. But you know uh like i said entrepreneurs organizations you know ypo like these are great organizations to sit down with folks that have that have actually um gone through what you've gone through but um yeah, exactly. i always try to look for advice and then i try to give it back right so we have uh, spoken at multiple different mba program classes and and talking to them about the the power of automation um and why it's so important right now and how you need those skills if to be competitive in the workspace
1: mm-hmm. So let's look to tomorrow,
0: Sam. Uh, I'll have you
1: back on the show at some point in the future. What's going to be different? Where are you guys taking your firm?
0: Sure. So if you look way ahead into the future, I was talking. You know, I'd love to have your job, Rick. You know, where I sit down and, and interview a bunch of uh, you know CEOs. But in reality, what I want to do, what I see kind of as the north star for me is, and I'll talk about me and then ultimately business, is to remove myself. Uh, from the business, actually. I mean, that's that's ultimately how I think the differentiator between a business owner and an investor and a, and, and a self-owned company. So my goal is to remove me and I'm trying to do that as quickly as possible. And so I'm more involved in sort of cheerleading, talking about new products, uh, new solutions, you know, building those strategic partnerships. That's what I should be spending my time. And that's what I want to be spending my time. Uh, From a linear perspective, um, I think we've got a great roadmap um, ahead for us. You know, we're forecasting 100%, you know, revenue growth year over year. Uh, We're bringing on some more individuals that are helping to drive that. We've got an advisor board that we're setting up. Um, So I would say, you know, right now we're a a strong partner of some of these technology firms, like a, a gold partner of UiPath, as I mentioned, the only one kind of based out of um, Southern California. But, um, our goal is to truly transition into a software company, uh, with professionals. So you always need professional services and support mm-hmm. with software. Um, and to take these, you know, these, um, process ideas and create solutions on top of the, you know, the, the RPA platform, um, to create smart decisions so that when customers come to us and they say, Hey, we've got this problem. We're not starting from scratch. We're like, Hey, listen here's an accelerator here's a product that's going to get you there and by the way here's 10 other areas that that we can you know that you should be looking into in terms of roi mm-hmm. uh, and i think we've just hit the we're just at the tip of the iceberg when it comes to process automation i mean i think the last i saw were i don't know i think most companies are like 10 percent mm-hmm. of the automation that's put in their potential um so um that's exciting but, you know, and as the
1: as the underpinning technology gets better and better, it's easier and more cost effective and it's just kind of it's a virtuous circle. So if yes. someone would like to connect with you, maybe on LinkedIn and learn yep. more about your firm, where would you suggest they go to Sam?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're on LinkedIn um, under Linear. You can always find me under Sam <laughs> um, co-founder of Linear uh and then we we try to we have our website obviously uh www.linear.com where we've actually put out a lot of content around where to start when you're looking at these types of automation you know use cases whether you're in finance or supply chain um, in manufacturing you're in uh, insurance you know whatever the industry is where to get started and where rpa kind of fits within this uh, business ecosystem so Um, feel free to reach out anytime. I love just having conversations, um, and helping folks understand how they can use technology within their organization.
1: Well, I want to thank you for being a guest on the show today, Sam.
0: It was my pleasure. Great conversation. Thank you. I enjoyed it and
1: thank you to the audience. You've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Sam's episode was episode number 1,388. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you would like to tell your story, like Sam just did, then reach out to me. We can connect on LinkedIn or you can visit my website. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. That's how you find me on LinkedIn. Coincidentally, that's my website as well, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.